I, yo, it was, it was insane. Because everybody I told about is like, you are insane, right? It's not going to happen. It's impossible. Where are you going to get all the money? You're looking at up to 70 to 100 million. Where are you going to get all the money? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to do this, right? So we went through a lot of challenges, a lot of back and forth, but it happened. So it happened and it was a huge success. It was amazing. Minds were blown. Lives were changed. Transformation, it was, it was I was, I, I, I couldn't imagine that I was able to achieve it, but that got my mentality of possibilities to a whole new level. Welcome to the Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. This is Phil Michaels, Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and performance coach. Every year, Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders, and stars in the world. And each week, I bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B, to entrepreneurs with companies like DoorDash, Instagram, and YouTube, you're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now it's time to level up. Level up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. Today we have a very special guest. He made the Forbes Africa list in 2019 for the business, particularly education business in his case, in that category. And he is the founder of I Create Africa, which is a training facility for people to learn new skills. They are technical and vocational skills like coding, plumbing, tailoring, barbering, carpentry, and more. They then showcase the skilled students in competitions where they invite potential employers, which lands the students' jobs and internships. This changes the perception people have of technical skills by raising the profile and recognition of skilled professionals through rebranding and projecting the value of vocational skills in the mainstream. It's a tool that empowers citizens to create sustainable and inclusive economies. The company has grown to host one of Africa's largest technical and vocational skills competitions, the iCreate Skill Fest. It's a two-day skills competition that features 84 competitors from West Africa competing in 14 skill categories. He's always been driven to improve the skills of young Africans who could not afford a traditional education. They have helped over 80,000 people so far. Please welcome my very special guest, Bright Jaja. All right, thank you for having me, Phil. It's good to be here. Very excited to have you here, Brett. I can't wait to share your story with our audience. Welcome to the show. I am honored, especially meeting with my fellow Nigerian. I always joke and, and say, uh, Baloni, and I'm Yoruba. <laughs> I can't wait. Good to know you've been here, man. Good to know you've been here. It's just, it's just really cool. Hey, so man. You've actually experienced Nigeria. The, the true Nigeria, I'm so grateful to have lived in the mainland and, and of yeah. Lagos, but I've also gotten to see your neck of the woods. You're calling in from Abuja, which for those listening, if you don't know Abuja, it's where the politicians reside. It's like Washington, D.C. of the U.S., yeah, exactly. uh, commonly called Aso Rock. And uh, <laughs> so I know my roots and, and I can't you wait do. for our in-person rendezvous. <laughs> So we can share some uh, jollof rice and plantains, as you know, is the key to my heart, as we were describing earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before we dive into things, Bright, uh, where were you when you found out you made the Forbes list? Oh, yeah, I was in um, Edo State. Uh, I was working on the project for the state government. Uh, so I think I was... It, it was it was a long day. You know, we had we had to go on a tour to check some of the facilities that were 
um, being designed and built by the government. And so I just got back and I was tired and I just opened my, my laptop to check my mail and then I got the mail. So I saw the mail and I just saw congratulations. And it actually, it wasn't congratulations, it was something else. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to stop and just cool slowly to see <laughs> if it's, oh, we're sorry, you didn't make the list or, you know. So I, I was just checking and then boom, I just saw it. And I was like, whoa, I actually recorded my reaction, you know, just to know, you know, just to, just to have that moment again. And it, it was just exciting to just no way. Um, be part of the list. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, Such an exciting moment. Yeah, start talking to my friends and telling them, yo, I made the list. And for me, the important part of the list for me is not just making the list. It's, you know, connecting with people like you, having mm. to be part of a family of young people who think alike. That was just the exciting part for me. So It's an exclusive it was, it was an list. Exclusive yeah. list of, of game-changing people all around the globe. And, and yeah. it's like you have a couch and place to sleep on uh, whenever you, you need a place to live. It's like you know who you can call on your Forbes family. And yeah. that's what I love about this group. So um, welcome to the club. And I made it in 2016. So I'm like, oh, wow, uh, the, <laughs> you're like, you're like, like you're a like veteran a, now. <laughs> <you're> the veteran. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. So that's really dope. I love how you recorded your reaction too. It's kind of like in the, in the US when we have the NFL draft and they yeah. record their family's reaction of when they get the acceptance, like I'm going to the Dallas Cowboys, yeah, they put the hat yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, we should share that um, with the, the Forbes family and Randall Lane and the team to, to let them know like, hey, this is a, maybe we should capture some of these moments when people are first finding out they made the list. It's, there's yeah. this new trend, I'm not sure if it's the same in Nigeria, where in the US now they're filming their acceptance uh, reactions when they get into college. So the high school student will decorate their entire room and they put their alma, uh, the, their university that they got the acceptance from and they bring their family in there and make this huge Instagram video. And those, yeah, those have been that. going I've viral. Been I've been saying that. So maybe, maybe we really, should do really, it for really, the great content. We should maybe do it for the Forbes acceptance as well. I mean, they have a, it's more difficult to get on the Forbes list than it is to the Ivy leagues. I mean, they have a yeah. harder <laughs> acceptance rate than even Harvard does. So, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Congratulations. Well-deserved. Thank you. Thank Before you we much. dive Thank into how it works and everything, let's go to the very beginning. Take us back to where you're from, where you grew up, and the path that led you to where you are now, ultimately making it to the Forbes list. Um, so I, I actually grew up here in Abuja. I was born in Delta State, um, but I grew up here in Abuja. Um, my parents are... Um, had workers. They, my mom was a trader and my dad um, run, ran his own construction business. Um, so I think growing up for me was just, um, I, I get, I, I'll say I grew up in an inclusive environment because um, I was always in a position where um, I had to always be around my mom because she was a trader and she needed me to always help her out. I mean, if you're, you're in Nigeria, you know how it works when your mom is a trader. She, she always wanted to take maybe her kid to, to the market to help her either go around and cook or, you know, bring in customers or, you know, help her sell, sell you know, hawk around the product. So um, for me, it was that. And so after school, so after school, at the primary, when I was in primary school, um, after school, I was, I think about five or seven, I'll always go to the market after, after school. I think the school closes by one o'clock and I'll go to the market and I'll, you know, be there with her, help her do some couple of things. And that happened till I was about 17 or 18 so I got to like so I went to the university so it was it was it was it was going to the it was spending more time in the market than I spent in the classroom and I think that's exactly what shapes me because 
I was interacting with different kinds of people. Um, you were building was, that was, entrepreneurial mindset at such an early was, age. Exactly. And, and just understanding people, like just having to, to see different kinds of emotions and see different kinds of, you know, calibers of people, the rich, the poor, the attitude, like every single thing is what made me, what, that was the content that made me who I am. That was the content that shaped my decisions and my interactions and my, dis- and everything that I do, you know? So, um, so just, just being in that kind of space and understanding the fact that, you know, there's just, there are different kinds of people, there are different kinds of problems. And that drove me towards one key thing that I understood. So um, I, was, I was someone that was, that was, I was good at school, but I just did not like the idea of being put in a box. Cause I felt like school, having experienced the marketplace and the real life, because a lot of young people back then, they were, they were, they were excluded from reality, right? So you go to school and you come back home. You don't really interact with the world. I was interacting with the world at the age of six, seven. I was, I was, I was experiencing practical interactions and transactions of why, why I was being taught in school, you know, something else. So when I go to, when I go to the classroom and, and I'm taught about the particular thing and I try to apply it with, with the real life situation, it just wasn't connecting. It was like, there's a whole different kind of school for this life, right? I mean, when you're it's emotionally- like a dichotomy, school, dichotomy between theory and real world application. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, I just felt like it just wasn't connecting. It was, just wasn't, I didn't see the value of the time I was spending in the classroom um, being applicable with reality, right? And for me, the reality was, it dawned on me that I had to start learning the real skills that's required for me to live in this in this real world, right? So, so I I I started really learning in the marketplace, interacting with people, asking questions. Okay, what do you think about this? I, I literally had a session where so uh, I think I was like fourteen or fifteen, and I would just bring all the kids that came to help their parents. I would just sit down, we just have conversations about random things, and that literally made me understand you know, a lot of things about life, about value, about why we're here, right? About connections, about responsibilities and all that, all that together just literally shaped my decision to go into what I'm doing right now. That's beautiful. And because you started seeing that not only is there a difference between what you're learning in school and the real life, but you're seeing all these people have so much value to offer the economy. One person might be a great carpenter. One person's a great plumber. One person's yeah. a great, you know, hairdresser or barber. And yet you're seeing there's a disconnect between what we're being trained for and what's actually employable for you to make an income. And I mean, yeah. we're even seeing this in the U.S. where kids are going to four years worth of school, have tons of debt because of student loans, and they're not even employable. And they end up working at the Starbucks and yet their degree was for something completely different. And it's like you and I exactly. discuss this. People are getting a piece of paper and thinking that's the prestige that they're aiming for. That's the level of success they're trying to obtain. And yeah. there's like this famous quote of become a man of, of value, not a man of success. And it seems like we're starting mm-hmm. to shift that paradigm back to what we originally were made for, which is providing value. And you're, you're providing a platform for people to do that. Yes, totally. Um, so, 
So, it, it, like I said, it, it, it kind of connects to, you know, seeing the people who actually solve real problems, but they're under the, they're under the, the, the value chain. They're the lowest in the value chain. Um, so I, 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 I see the hard work. I see the plumbers. I see the bricklayers. I see, I see the, 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 the makeup artists and the hairdressers. And I see how much problem they solve. How, I see how they make the society work. Like without an electrician, there's no lights in your house. Without a bricklayer, there's no building. I, without, 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 without a mason, there's no road. Like every infrastructure that we live in, that everything that makes life, life is, is, is handled and is, is, is coordinated and is, is created by these people. And at the same time, there are the lowest in the pyramid, that the, 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 the one that, that people don't even appreciate, right? They're the, they're, I mean, it took the world, it took the world to be striked by a pandemic for them to, for them to appreciate essential workers. Imagine that. These are the people that made the world work. The cleaners, the guys that clean the street every single day that we just drive past and just probably even dump something on the street without understanding that somebody is, somebody, somebody is actually going to do that job, right? So for me, I was so eager to change that. I was so eager to move power back to the people, to the people that actually create things, the creators of, the creators of things, not that the guys that just push the pen and make decisions up there. How can we get the power back to the people that actually make things? How can we get, how can we create a new image? How can we rebrand this industry to get more young people to see that there's value here because one of the biggest challenges that we came in to address is societal perception. And that was, you know, changing the mentality that being a plumber is not cool. You can't, go, you, you can't say I'm a plumber on your social media bio because everybody wants you to be something else. Everybody, wants you, everybody feels like, mm. oh, it's not cool enough to say I'm a plumber or, or I'm a bricklayer or, or I'm a landscaper. Nobody wants, nobody, nobody, nobody sees value in that. So right. our, our job, first of all, was to get into that industry and change that narrative and rebrand technical and vocational skilled trades, make it look so attractive, increase the value using technology, using, using digitalization, using um, content creation, using events. So if you've seen the videos of our events, you would see, you know, it looks like a, like a Beyonce concert. You see a screen hanging up in the air. You see lights and cameras and you see those guys wearing amazing outfit looking like like a superstar and you know they're in their small stations and they are cutting wood and the carpenters are cutting the tilers are cutting and placing with latest technology bosch tools and all of that and we just give, we just let people understand that this is cool these guys are superheroes these guys are the real stars right yeah, you're changing that, the narrative between the blue exactly. collar and white collar and you're making blue collar sexy again exactly in one word, that's exactly what we're doing. We're making it sexy. <laughs> that could be your tagline, making blue collar yeah. sexy. Yeah. I mean, you're doing that exactly. though. And that, that's the, I mean, this is why Google, Facebook, Apple, Elon Musk, they're no longer requiring degrees because yeah. they're realizing that the real value isn't in a piece of paper, a diploma. It's in mm -hmm. the real value that you're providing the company, which is the hard skills, the tangible work that you're doing, whether for you, yeah. the robotics, the plumbing, the you know, hairdressing, these are the people that make, create the foundation. Like you said, that's the majority of people, not the, the yeah. pen pushers. And also I like at the base of the pyramid, this becomes even more evident. 
I remember, as you know, we, we worked, I lived in Mushin in Lagos mainland, and we worked in 13 local government areas, LGAs, mm-hmm. which for those listening, if you don't know, it's, it's the equivalent of a small city. And that's what they're called. And we worked in Shomalu, Badia, Egbeda, Makoko, Ikoradu, Acacia. And I remember in Badia, a common way to light up at night to, if you don't have outdoor electricity, to read, to study, to learn, you'd heat up a barrel of kerosene and light it on fire. And that is your form of light. And you and I know, and the audience knows, it's extremely intoxicating for, it's toxic for humans. And yet this is the form of light. So if you want to study or go to school or learn a new skill or work at nighttime, this is the way that you, you, you uh, produce light. But if you are able to train these people at the base of the pyramid with real valuable skills that maybe they can't afford traditional schooling or a university education, but this is another route. And you're not only making this possible, but you're making it look like it is much more prestigious because you're able to yeah. contribute to the society's economy. Yes, totally. hundred percent. That's exactly what we're trying to do. So how does, let's say someone right now is listening and they're, they're in Nigeria or another area that you work out of and they want to get it. They want to be a part of it. They want to be trained in a certain skill. How would they find out about you? How did you connect with these people when you were first starting out? Um, so, so we, we, we work with, um, we, I mean, we do a lot of social media because uh, that's for us, that's like the, the first thing. It's, it's, it's getting people to see this in a different light. And there's a lot of young people on social media. So we use, um, we use, uh, we have an Instagram account called I Create Africa. We have a Facebook account. Um, we have everything at I Create Africa, Twitter account and all of that stuff. And we work with, and we have our website also where people can actually reach us on, which is www.accurateafrica.com. Um, but apart from that, we also work with the unions, um, um, and then we work with the chambers of commerce. Uh, so we have a lot of partners. I think one of the biggest things that we're able to build is we're, we're able to design and build a, a skill ecosystem um, because we understood that for us to be able to achieve what we want to achieve, we, could, we couldn't do it by ourselves. So we needed to create that community. We needed it to 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 to, to show people the problem and the solution that we're preferring to solve that problem and we're able to bring everybody together from the government to the private sector to the institutions and we're able to have that strong partnership to drive this towards a different direction and we've made a huge impact so far so right now anybody that actually um right now watching going to the next stage which is getting the young people who are already skilled um connected to work and we just created a new digital platform, which is called the Skillers, Skillers.ng. And there's a whole narrative behind that right now, what we're trying to do with that. Um, I, and I think um, I like, I'm liking where it's going because my team, um, which is uh, amazing young people, um, we've been coming up with different really cool ideas um, to make the young people who are going to get on the platform feel really, really special. And um, so, so that's what we're doing right now, trying to get, trying to, create a marketplace, a digital marketplace for service-based workers um, to connect them with employers and clients from across the world. I love it. And because normally you have this in-person training and you have a master, let's say, in each of these respective fields, whether it's robotics, coding, yeah. plumbing, et cetera, bricklaying, and those masters yeah. teach them through the curriculum. And I'm sure each one yes. may be a different length of time. And then after yeah. you have this competition, they showcase their skills. The employers are yeah. there. They get to see like, wow, this is incredible. Let's hire this person. 
And, yes. and now they have an employable job or an internship at least. And now you're taking that and you're saying, how can we make this more scalable? Let's create a digital platform. So now anyone in the world, even if you're not in Nigeria, you can hire these skilled individuals, whether it's a graphic designer or et cetera, you'll be able to get these skills for your company and it's skillers.ng. And we'll put these in the show notes, but that's where you could find out. And, um, you know, Bright was generous enough, him and his team, to offer you listening a coupon code to get access to these skilled individuals for free by using the coupon code Phil30, which we'll put in the show notes. But amazing work that you're doing. And, um, you know, take us back to that point, though, when you maybe realized you were successful. Like, what do you think was the most important personal attribute that you had, Bright, that got you to where you are today? I would say the uh, persistence. Um, you know, one of the most difficult things to do in this part of the world is be become an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, becoming an entrepreneur in Nigeria is the most. It's like sometimes people actually perceive it as a suicide mission. It is difficult to be an entrepreneur in Nigeria. So you though there's a huge entrepreneurial spirit. So every single entrepreneur that you find in Nigeria, I look at them and I have so much respect because the infrastructure does not support you. Like you said, look at it, electricity. Imagine the entrepreneurs in Mushi, how can they leverage on technology without electricity? You know, the policies are not designed for small businesses and entrepreneurs. There's no funding system, right? Um, the contracts are given to bigger companies. They don't look at the small ones. Like every single thing, the entire system is designed for you to not succeed as an entrepreneur, right? And so there is, it's a battle. It's, it's a war. Like you have to wake up every morning with the mentality of going to war right and that is that is that is me i think that is every single every single time i find myself in front of an obstacle i tell myself we're going to break through this right and the mentality that i had was my back was always against the wall like there is no going back. Every step, I, every single time I move forward, I have like a little bit of success. I create a wall behind me. I'm not going, but there's nothing that's ever going to make me go back. I'm always putting my back on the wall. Whenever, no matter how bad it gets, my back is on the wall. But I'm, not, I'm never going to go back to what I used to be. So it was always about consistency when, there, when there's the no's, when there is the, oh, we don't have the funding. What can we do? What can we do with what we have, right? How yeah, we can make a huge impact. Can we can we affect just one life? Can we affect just one person? Can we do that? Is it is it possible? Yes, we can. So let's go ahead and do it. So for me, it was always about doing the best that I can. Listen, the word is the best, not doing whatever I can with what I have. No, it's doing the best that I can with whatever I have, and. Every single time I do my best, it opens the door for the next best thing. It opens the door for the next opportunity. So it opens the door to, to solve the next problem. And that has been my just It was consistency. It was persistence, not giving up, not looking at the situation 
not looking at the negative side, but always looking at the positive side and looking for a way to break through. And there, it's, it's, it's not an ending journey. I mean, we've, we have made a huge impact. We organized Africa's biggest, not one of Africa's biggest, but Africa's biggest skills competition, um, which has never been done. Right, we've done it first time. We did it again. We beat our previous record. We did it again and beat our previous record. Every single time we beat our old records, and we've changed the life of a lot of people. We've we've given out funding almost eighty million naira to over three hundred and fifty business and young skill artisans to be able to start up their work. We're giving tools worth almost more than fifty million naira just for them to to be equipped to be able to work. We've changed a lot of, a lot of lives. But if what we're doing was done in a different country or in a different, in a, in a country in the, in the West or in Europe or anywhere else, the government will adapt it and say, oh, this is, this is working. We should, we should scale this. But no, you would rather have people trying to bring you down, trying to say, oh, as long as you're not my brother or you're not related to me, we can, we can, we can scale this, right? So it, it, it's, it's, it is personal. It is always personal with people here and so you have to always find your strength in your in your success in the success story is whenever you want to give up and you see a child or you see you see somebody that you've helped that your product or your 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 solution has helped it just gives you courage to say okay if i can help this person then i can help one more person it's, it's thinking about the next generation and, and and knowing the fact that in the next couple of years by the next in the next 10 to 15 years, Africa, Nigeria population is going to double to about 400 million. And you look around and you see that there's no opportunity for them. And you're like, I can't just sit and not do nothing about this. So I have to keep working. So I think my, my journey has always just been, you know, just keep going regardless, regardless of the hustle, regardless of the, 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 the restrictions and, and, and all, all, all the obstacles in the way, we just don't stop. Yeah, because I mean, it's admirable the work that you put in, the laudable work that you're doing, because you do have a lot more obstacles. And I've witnessed that firsthand. You, I mean, a, a common saying is, our, is our meeting in Nigerian time or American time? Because you don't know, it could be two hours before you start. And that could, if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to build a business and you don't know if you're going to start on time or someone's going to be late or they're going to cancel a meeting, it affects your business, affects the progress that, you know, what, what took me, you know, a day's work in the U.S. would take me a week in Nigeria. I mean, even that alone, just the speed of productivity because you're counting on other people and, and the traffic, for example, or you're passing by Oshadi and you are having to, you know, just navigate obstacles that we might not have to face here in the Western world or a more developed country because so you, you're up against way more. And so the fact that you're even able to come overcome that is, is extremely admirable and exciting that you're doing this, but you're not just doing it for yourself. You've created a platform yeah. to do it for the next generation and the next generation and the generation after that. And you and I talked about this before Nigeria's population is almost the size of the U S population. And you're only twice the size of California that, the birth rate for mothers in Nigeria is on average five and a half children per mother. Mm. That's a mm. lot of children that are going to need skills <laughs> and you've given them a platform to find a way out if traditional school is, is not what they're looking for. And I think there's more of a shift happening and nothing against universities, nothing against colleges, but there's a shift happening. 
People are looking for hard skills that are employable right out of school. I mean, even us, some of the tech kids that we're hiring out of MIT and Harvard aren't nearly as equipped as those we're hiring from General Assembly or Code Academy or Launch Academy, where there are these coding boot camps. And I could see yeah. that happening in, in Nigeria as well. And you're, you're proof of that. Um, we talked about the success aspect, but thinking about your journey, Bright, and knowing what you know now, what's a lesson that maybe you learned that you wish you had learned from sooner? Um, I think it would be, I, I, I think for me, um, there's not much that I would have done differently because I always put myself in situations that wasn't comfortable. Um, what I'm trying to say is this, when we just given an example, when I decided to say we wanted to, we wanted to, um, um, execute the, the first ever skill, um, skill competition. Now doing a skill competition, people don't understand how, how difficult it is. It's, it's like doing, it's like organizing 10 events at one event, right? Because there's a lot of process behind the scene. There is, you know, um, and each skill and has it, its I, own, I, I, each skill has its own process. So it's like different events all exactly, in one. Exactly. Exactly. So you have different volunteer groups, you have experts, you have screening process, you have creating the product that they're going to execute within a time frame, 16 hours. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of funding. It's a lot of money. The venue, the, the, the multimedia, the, the uniforms. It's, a, it's like you're organizing uh, the World Cup. Yeah, because I mean, you have the infrastructure alone in the event space. I mean, you have bricklayers laying bricks over here. You have people doing hair over here. You have people coding and building robots over here. I mean, that's, it's got to be crazy. I mean, this, it's an event that you want to go to and witness, even if you're not looking to employ someone. (laughs) Yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. So people come in, they're like, wait, what the hell is going on here? But what they want is that is the amount of work. And so for me, when I decided to do that, right, I knew that technically it was impossible. Point is, every single time I try to do something, technically, it's impossible. <laughs> Just like looking at my, at my resources, looking at what I have, looking at everything is impossible. And people always just not put themselves in that position to just walk away. They're like, nah, I'm not going to do it. I put myself in impossible situations every single time. That's the reason why my growth is really, really fast. And so for me, I, don't, I think I did everything I was supposed to do at the early stage, which is because, and I think the foundation of that was growing up with my mom always making me do things that I wasn't comfortable with. I didn't want to go to the market after school. I wanted to hang out with my friends. I was a kid. I wanted to play football. I wanted to just chill, right? That's what kids do after school. They play. I didn't play after school. I went to work. And it wasn't comfortable for me. I didn't like it. But I got used to not being comfortable. Right? I got used to with the uncomfortable. Yeah, I got, exactly. I got used to not, not, so, so every, single, so every single time I'm not doing anything, I'm like, I got to put myself in some, in some messed up situation. <laughs> like, what's the next big thing? What can we do that? So I'm, used to, I'm used to the high blood pressure, like mm. that, oh, what's next? What can we do next? Like, what's going to happen? The chaos. Like, so, 
exactly that is that is exciting for me like i'm used to it i think <laughs> right? that's so, the entrepreneurial <laughs> mindset versus the employee mindset you know the employee yeah. mindset's so worried about the how you're going to get it done the entrepreneurial mindset is so worried about the why they don't care how they'll figure it out no matter yeah. what you put your exactly. back against the wall and you'll be able to accomplish anything exactly so for me so so i think so it was like it was i was always doing this set a goal so bigger than myself that I grow towards achieving it. And I set another goal so bigger than myself and I grow towards achieving it. So I was just growing. And this entire process is not comfortable. It's like every single morning I wake up and I'm like, what am I gonna do next? What am I? I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm powered up, I'm, I'm fired up. Right, right. I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm just always studying. I'm trying to understand something, and it just helps you equip yourself. So when I when I got to thirty, I asked myself a question: Is there something I would have done different when I was twenty? And I, and I looked at every situation. I'm like, nah. I would go back and I would do the same thing over and over again. Right. Um, I love how you rose up to the occasion. You set the bar high and you said, I'm going to rise up no matter, no matter what. I'm going to level up. And this is in business, you call this the Pygmalion effect. And it's actually a yeah. psychological tenant where you, you raise the bar higher than what you even expect of yourself or your employees. And you ultimately feel the urge to, if you're aiming for the moon, even if you fall amongst the stars, it's higher than it would have been if you set the bar lower. And you so, rose so, so, to the so, occasion. Let, 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 me, let me give you a quick, a quick example, right? So when, we, when I did the first event, and yo, it was, it was insane. Because everybody I told about is like, you are insane, right? It's not going to happen. It's impossible. Where are you going to get all the money? You're looking at up to 70 to 100 million. Where are you going to get all the money? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to do this, right? So we went through a lot of challenges, a lot of back and forth, but it happened. So it happened and it was a huge success. It was amazing. Minds were blown. Lives were changed. Transformation. It was, it was, I was, I, I, I couldn't imagine that I was able to achieve it, but that got my mentality of possibilities to a whole new level. Right. And then I sat down with my team the next year, which was last year, beginning of last year. And I'm like, okay, so we did great. Right. We said, we, we, we said it was impossible. We did it. Right. They're like, yeah, we did it. Good. So this year, we're going to do four of that. Now, it took us one year to do one. <laughs> wow. And I said, this year, we're going to do four. And they're like, hold up, hold up, right? You're joking. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> we're going to do four of that. We're going to, have, we're going to do, do this in four regions. One in the north, one in the east, one in the, in, in, in the west, and one in Abuja, which is the central. Hmm. And they're like, okay. I knew I was crazy when I was saying it. I knew how crazy it was going to be. How I knew how that how impossible that was. But I am used to not being comfortable. I'm used to not just being like I, I wanted to put myself on that track the whole year. And as a and leader, you set the you set the tone for the rest of the team because they're gonna raise yeah. up to your energy and you have to look confident in your ability to achieve it. Because yeah. if not, they're gonna succumb to to your energy. Yeah. Yeah, so I wake up in the morning, I sat down. I, I didn't just give them the work. I'm like, no, I understand. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to design the plan. I'm going to tell you guys how we're going to get this done, how we're going to do that, the role that everybody's going to play. So I sit down, 
and then we I designed the plan. I brought a couple of team members who understood a couple of things regarding some of the, the, the technical um, things that we needed to get to get done, the technical possibilities, and we broke down every single thing. And we said, okay, yeah, this is we're gonna do it. So we might not understand how we're gonna do the next one and the next one and the next one, but let's just put a date for every every one of them. Let's put an address for every one of them so we know that we're committed to doing it. And let's start with the first one. So we did the first one in the north, Kaduna. Boom, bigger than the, the one we did in Abuja. And it took us three months to plan it. It took us three months to plan what we did last year, uh, what, what took us one year to plan, because our, our, it's about the mind. It's about, you see, I, the mind plays a huge role when it comes to the things you're able to achieve. Once you're able to set your mind on something and, you're, and, and you, have, you see the possibilities, everything that you need to get it to that level, that's my understanding, would happen. Your only limitation is yourself. When you say, I can't do it, you're right. When you say, I can do it, you're right. You're always right. So I'm like, why would I put my, why would I, why would I, if they say, if they say, oh, there is a huge stream of what, of, of, of gold. Why would I want to go with a bucket? Right? Why can't you just go with a whole container and just get a job. Why, why can't I just go with a pipe and connect it and straight to my house? Like, why can't, why can't I get more if it's yes. more is available? Do you get what I'm saying? So for me, is if there's a possibility that if I say I can, then I can, why would I want to reduce what I can get? It becomes right? a limiting so, belief system and it only holds you back. As soon exactly. as you set the, the bar higher, you've now made it possible in your mind. And that's all you need because now everything, like you said, it, you, when you encant it, it manifests it into reality. So any experience you come across, any person you meet, any uh, you know, event that happens or situation that happens, you now start seeing how it relates to your goal. And it's all manifesting it towards that goal and pushing you and pulling you, propelling pulling you forward. You. Yeah, so we did the first one. Amazing, we had a bunch of challenges. Challenges are always gonna come. Whether you're doing something small, you're doing something big, you're always gonna have challenges. It's normal, right? We had all that. It happened. We went to the second one. So we knew that the time frame. So I had, and now I had a lot of things that are coming in between. So I had to go to Russia. Um, Forbes happened. And then there was a lot of, you know, I had to do a lot of public speaking. So I didn't have enough time to be able to do the three. I thought, like, okay, you know what? Let's combine the third, the fourth. Let's combine the fourth one and the fifth one to do a bigger one in Lagos. Lagos is like Lagos is like the home of Nigeria. Like it's like it's like it's the like, home of media. It's yeah, like it's for like, those listening, that's like New York for it's like New US. York. Exactly. It's like it's it's everything. So I'm like, let's combine our resources because we've already done something in Abuja. So doing it in Abuja again, it's not going to be as valuable because we did the last one in Abuja. So let's combine our resources for Abuja and let's make it to Lagos and so we can have enough time to make sure that Lagos is the best thing that we ever ever done. So we did two and then we started working towards Lagos. I traveled a lot. I came to Detroit for the Forbes Industry. I went to Germany. I went to Russia. I was, you know, I was just traveling all over the place. And so Lagos came and Lagos happened. We used the biggest event hall in the whole of Lagos, which is a landmark center. And when, we're, when, we're, when we chose to use that venue, everyone was like, it's skills. What, what, did Google and Microsoft used that place for events. Like they use, you know, it, it's, for, it's for big companies. You're gonna do skills. You're gonna do plumbing and bricklaying at landmark center. It's like trying to do that. Like it's like trying to do an an event like that at Madison Square Garden. Like just like the biggest venue 
in the whole of the biggest, biggest venue in Nigeria, the most prestigious venue, we said that's what we're going to use. It cost a lot of money, but went ahead. We took it, um, and then we designed everything. We actually not even added another event, which was the TVET conference, so we could bring all the policymakers to have conversations around changing of policies around technical vocational skill trade, investing more in technical vocational skill trade in, in the institutions and all that stuff. And we did that event, and it was mind-blowing. So there's a, an organization called the World Skills. Even the World Skills acknowledged that event as a huge success, right? So for me, it was like just being able to say it and believe it because three years ago, I couldn't believe that I could do that. And I did the first one. And the, the moment I was able to achieve that, I, I, I understood that the difference between asking more and just asking for what you think it, it, it's, it's required or what you need, it's, the, the difference is not so much. It's just Why a difference I, in words. It's a two millimeter yeah, it, shift in words. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's just, it's just you say, oh, I want, I want $1 million and I want $50 million, right? It's, it's the same thing, right? So why would I not want more if whatever I say is going to happen, right? So that whole process just got me, you know, fired up. Like every single time I try something, every single time I try to do something, I try to go above my means because I'm like, if I can do it myself, then what's the point? Right. If, if the universe is here to, to support me, why can't I leverage on that? It was validating. It was proof to you that this actually works. The power of your yeah. thoughts and the power of your yeah. mindset. And now your team saw it as well. And then you inspire other people that even those that were at the event, which is like a huge skills hackathon. It's amazing. And now yeah. um, in terms of finances, does the business model work similar to what I was thinking with like launch Academy where the, you get a percentage of what the employers are paying the, the skilled students. Yeah. Um, so, so right now um, we are, that's, that's the model we're going to, we're, we're actually putting in place right now, especially with the digital platform and digital platform basically is a model that we're trying to, but the different things we're trying to do. One is to make sure that, People that can afford to pay to learn are able to, to learn and start paying back when they get a job, when we get them a job. So we can guarantee a job, right, once you decide to get a skill. Um, so the model with that is they're probably going to pay it with interest when they get a job. And also, we can also train for a company. So um, a company says, oh, uh, we're starting this company and we need like 50 staff and we need like 50 skilled workers to do a particular thing. We can train for a company and then they pay us directly, but these guys have the skills for free. And then when they're done, and the company pays them when they're also done, and they'll also use that skill to keep working and doing other things, but we'll actually still bring them under our umbrella. But the goal for us is to equip and empower 5 million people in five years with technical vocational skill trades, and not just equip and empower them, but position them to become global, you know, to, 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 no, position them to, 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 to for global opportunities. So we want to be able to say that our skilled workers, if you're looking for skilled workers in different skills from technology to hospitality to, to, to um, creative art, you can come to iCreate Africa and we I can give it. you that skills. We can align you with, with people that have the best 
skills in the world. Right? An ambitious so goal, I would be and I believe you could do it, and I'm confident in your ability to do it. And yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of U.S. companies and startups have hired out of the Southeastern Asia and the Philippines, and that's been a common approach. But I've learned Africa's the future. Africa's Africa not future. Africa's the future. In <laughs> Nigeria, there's I've gotten better and more well-equipped team members from Nigeria than I ever have in Southeastern Asia. Nothing against Southeastern Asia, but uh, Nigeria yeah. is the place to look at and Africa as a whole. Yeah. So, so basically, it's, it's, yeah. it's what, 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 like I said, our goal is simple. Empower and position African youth for global opportunities. So the goal is make sure that, you know, in the next couple of years, like I said, in, by 2030, we're going to have 1 billion people in the African workforce. 1 billion people. Amazing. Now, this 1 billion people, if they're not equipped with skills, is going to be irrelevant. We yes. want to make sure that we're able to position Nigeria and other African countries for this opportunity that's coming towards our direction. Well, Bright and his team are going to be the ones that do it. So please witness the success. And, you know, one of the things I love, Bright, is the hustle along the way to get to yeah. where we are. What's something you did that was scrappy to hustle that maybe you couldn't have revealed when you first started out, but you're willing to share it with us now? Um, I think it was the fact that I played every single role in my company at some point. <laughs> So I'm a perfectionist. I like things done very well, right? So um, when I assign tasks or when I give people stuff to do, because I mean, at some point I didn't actually have the money. When I didn't have the money to do it, I had to learn the skills myself to be able to do it myself. Um, and then um, even when I, 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 I was able to employ people or assign tasks to people, when they don't do it right, I learn it and I just do it myself. But that's not the, 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 the story. The story was when I started, I was, it was just my office and it was just me. I was my secretary. I was my graphic designer. I was my writer. I, was, I do everything. And so um, I was working on a project called Dance for Peace, which was um, going to be a flash mob to raise awareness for the girls that were kidnapped, um, the cheapbought girls. Uh, this was 2013 or so. Um, so I had to, the flash mob was, was to go to 50 schools and teach about 150 students a particular dance step. And then we go to a public place and just dance, like, you know, just have 6,000 kids just dancing for peace and saying, please bring our girls back. Like cause they're students, they're young kids from secondary and primary school. So that was the, we went to raise awareness. And so I didn't, I had to work with the ministry of education. So I designed my proposal, you know, um, I'm, like I said, I'm, I, I, I'm, 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 I have an eye for excellence. Like everything has to be done properly. So I had like my proposal, you know, a brochure design and everything. And I printed it out and I had to go deliver it myself because I didn't have a secretary, right? <laughs> so I got there, I got to the of Education. And, you know, the guy that was there, I mean, if you know, you know, Nigeria, you know how Nigerians act, right? So... <laughs> So I got there. Like, you got and, something and I, for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, 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 dropped, I dropped off the, the proposal and the guy was like, just like dropping there. He was eating. Like this guy was eating in the office. He's the, he's the guy that received proposal. He was eating and he literally took, you know, he, he touched my paper with, with, with it. Or he was eating a goosey soup. I know you know what a goosey soup is. And he touched my, my paper with his hand and he stayed my paper. And I was looking at this dude like, it took me a lot. To put this together, like, like I was so angry, but I didn't want to 
show my anger because I didn't want him to just dump my paper when I left. So I was, I, I was, I was calm. And then he was like, just drop it there. Like he treated me like I was nothing, literally. And then he said, just drop it there. So I dropped the letter. I got the, the acknowledgement copy and then I left. Um, so I came downstairs about to get a cab back to my office and I got a call on my phone. So remember, I am the CEO of the company. My number is on the, is on the, 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 the document. So I got a call on my phone. I picked up the call. And I was like, hello, I'm sorry, who's this? And the person was like, hello, sir, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. Like, how are you doing? I hope you're good. This, guy, this person was actually sounding really nice. I was like, I'm okay. Sorry, who am I, who am I speaking with? And he said, oh, um, some, one of your staff just dropped off a letter at the Minister, Minister of Education. So, so I was like, um, yeah, yeah. And he's like, the letter wasn't signed, right? I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm out of the country right now. So I'm going to send him to come back. <laughs> Oh my God. I, I signed the letter. Uh, and uh, so I'm so sorry. I was really busy. Uh, I had to leave the country for work, for some work. They're like, okay, sir, no problem. Um, it's okay. It's fine. Now, the two part of the story. This same guy that saw me physically, right, and did acknowledge my presence, opened my proposal, right, and saw value that in his mind, the image that he saw was an elderly, rich person. Right, that shows you the power of branding, because the, the my branding gave him an image of some rich, wealthy person. That's why he was calling me sir the entire time. But I was standing in front of him, and he didn't see me as a sir. He saw me as some random person that just came to drop a letter. Right, so I went back upstairs. I ran back. Was I was like, I'm so sorry. My boss just called me and said he didn't sign the letter. I should sign the letter on his behalf. Um, I'm so sorry. And the guy was like, you guys don't pay attention. Like, how would you bring a letter? And he was screaming at me, right? He just called me, sir, because he was talking to somebody else. He feels talking to somebody else, right? So that uh, story, that... I, I always tell that story to young entrepreneurs. I'm like, it doesn't matter how the kind of situation that you're facing as an entrepreneur. Just make sure it doesn't show on your brand. doesn't matter if you're not able to eat. It doesn't matter if you're not able to, whatever it is, just make sure that that your stress and your personality does not reflect in your brand if that's not what you want your brand to represent. Yes. And Make sure that you go, you go yeah. You, your perce the perception is sometimes more important than the reality. And yeah. how you're perceived yeah. by others can, be, can affect everything. And I, I witnessed yeah. how important age discrimination is in Nigeria. They typically Ooh, don't look as younger individuals as having a voice at the table. And, yeah. and it's not, and that was like a perfect example of that. And right. We're going to um, transition now into something I like to call the under 30 seconds round where I'm going to fire off some questions and you answer with the first one that comes to mind. Ready? Okay. <clears throat> okay. What is the book you've yeah. gifted more often than any other book and why? Cyber, psycho cybernetics. Cause it involves the mind it involves, um, you know, just, making people see the possibilities of their mind because I think the mind controls everything. So I've gifted that a lot more than any other book. What's one of the best investments and one of the worst, worst investments you've ever made and why? Um, I think the best investment I've made, um, wow, that's hard, um, would be my, the skills hub. I'm investing in the skills hub, which is where I am right now. So we're still rebuilding with, you know, um, training centers and all that stuff. And I think it's very it's important because we're using this 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 space to 
um, help young people, young skilled workers as they are work, yes. co-working space, and also training other young people on the future on, on future skills like artificial intelligence and graphic design and stuff like that. Where do where are your hubs right now? So if those are listening, um, they can go visit. Where do you have the locations now? Uh, we have one in Abuja right now, which is um, um, Mabuchi. We'll say two. Um, we have another one coming up in Kaduna, and we have another one coming up in Lagos. Awesome. What's the most impactful thing you do in your morning routine and the most impactful thing you do in your evening routine? Morning routine will be watching interviews and, and motivational videos and documentaries because it just helped me start up my day. Um, evening routine would, would be just not saying a word for about an hour and just browsing through what I've done that day to see if I've made any progress. And if I haven't, just making sure that I do something before I sleep to make, to make me feel like I'm actually achieved something. <laughs> Reflection process. So important. Yeah. Second to last yeah. one, pretend you won the Peter Thiel fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business instead of go to college. What's the very first thing you do to start your new business? Um, I will. Wow. I think I would, I, would, I, would, I would focus on creating a brand image first. So um, understanding what the business is, if I already have that, is to create a brand image. So invest in the brand image of the company that I'm going to start and then work towards getting into the market. Is there a bucket list item you want to achieve or a personal goal or milestone that you want to achieve? I think next for us right now is basically um, getting up our, our platform populated um, with the right people um, getting in the market so young people so um, employers can start interacting with these young people especially now they need it more than ever um, and then the next thing is go, going back to our mission of um, empowering 5 million people with, with the skills um, so they can be valuable um, and so basically those are the two major things that were that, that are in front of, of us right now for the next five years we want to build a skill park um, which is going to be like the Silicon Valley of technical and vocational skill trades. This is part Love of our, our, our plan for, you know, creating 5 million jobs. Um, we also want to um, start focusing on technology, teaching young people on skills of the future, um, things like AI, um, virtual reality, content creation on, on those aspects, augmented reality, um, blockchain technology, all you know, stuff like that, just preparing young people for the skills that is going to be highly in demand. So, I mean, basically, it just wraps up with focusing on empowering young Africans to, to, to take the global stage. Where do listeners go to connect with you directly? Um, my social media, I'm very, I'm very um, active on Instagram, mostly. I'm active on Twitter. Also, I have I put a lot of weird thoughts on Twitter, so you can just go check that out. But Instagram is where you can reach me um, more, more official, right, Jaja. And we can always talk. I'm, was, I'm actually going to be creating a mentorship program very soon where I'll probably call you at some point to come talk to some of the young people that we're working with and, and other, other uh, under 30s. Um, to I would just love come that. And share their experience. Yeah, so... By the way, Abby... Social media will be... I'll, I'll put your handle in the show notes. And Abby is okay. also Forbes 30 under 30 from Nigeria. Um, and he created Azuzu, 
a financial company out in New York City. I'm going to connect you uh, with them because I feel like you guys will have a lot to talk about. And so great. Please go connect with Bright. Uh, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. This is Bright with I Create Africa, who creates skills hubs for those that want vocational skills and want to be employable. We learned so much today how to go from a developing nation to a global scale company. I mean, you are the epitome of someone that has truly defied the odds and overcome so many obstacles, so motivating. Um, But I'm grateful that we had the chance to reconnect. So, Bright, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. And I think it's really, really amazing that you know, um, stories like this are shared because a lot of people don't even know what's going on. I mean, we watch a lot of stories of, you know, the, the Steve Jobs and the Jack Ma, and it's just, it's so much of a distance. You can't really relate mm-hmm. because you're not in that space. But when young people like you and me are sharing their stories, it just makes people understand that, oh, this is close. I can relate with this. So um, for you to be able to, you know, take out time to, to bring young people who have really amazing story and share and you know, share the experience, actually bring it out of them because your conversation and your question actually brings out those conversations and it just really impacts the life of a lot of young people. And I think that's what we need now more than ever. So thank you thank for you, doing Brent. this. That means Good a lot day. to me. Thank you. And I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up. Level up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.